0: super talk mississippi media production in the mississippi legislature house bill 728 funds health care for illegal immigrants call your legislator today at 601-359-3770 ask them to stop house bill 728 it's not too late you can help stop this paid for by building america's future he's the former president and publisher of the sun herald and now he's on the radio Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast
1: 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women that make Coast of Mississippi, and Mississippi for that matter, such a great place to live, work, and play. I, I, I think I might say this at least once every single day, but it's a beautiful time of the year in Coast of Mississippi Fall is just, it's just beautiful. All the all the birds that come down from Lord knows where and uh, just makes the beautiful sights that we see along with the sunsets and the sunrises. You know, since I started doing Coast View, again, nearly three years ago, January would be three years ago, we've had nearly 800 conversations. I've been really fortunate to be able to bring to you these deeper Super Talk Mississippi media conversations um, just for an example, just this past week I had a terrific conversation with my friend, a Pulitzer Prize winning editor, uh, Jim Amos. Jim actually spent some time in Coastal, Mississippi after Hurricane Katrina. Knight Ritter owned the Sun Herald. Jim worked for Knight Ritter, and uh, just a bunch of Knight Ritter journalists and others from across our company came to help us after Hurricane Katrina. So he was he was kind of for a short period of time part of the team helping us gather information that was vital to coastal Mississippians. And Jim and I had a conversation about truth and journalism and and the changing media landscapes, kind of a Coast View diversion. If you missed it, I really... Really encourage you to go look it up. It really kind of puts things in perspective. It was just a great conversation. I've gotten great feedback from that. had a tor- awesome conversation with my friend Mary Graham, the President of Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. and we had we really had a very comprehensive conversation about the work that she's doing and her her team is doing to reach out to business and industry and what's what that feedback has led to in terms of shaping their programs. Uh, over 50% of the programs at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College today are non-traditional education. That's that's uh, that's very impressive, actually. It means that they're listening to the business community. And some of the programs that they're, they've developed, you can literally lead those programs making six figures. Think about it for a minute. That means uh, that they have done a great job of adjusting to the market. And that's one of the reasons why Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College is one of the top community colleges in the entire United States. Um, I say Super Talk Mississippi Media uh, uh, on purpose because they, that's the name of the company. There's not just a radio company here. You're listening on 103.1 um, Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast, but you can also listen on YouTube or Facebook or your pa- favorite podcast. You can watch it on Super Talk TV at C Spire TV, but it's a multimedia company. They want th- this program to be wherever, whenever you want to engage in it. And they've done a terrific job of of, um, applying sort of the digital reality to their world. Um, By the way, radio, one of the things I always observed as a former newspaper and online media company uh, CEO, I always wondered about radio and how they're doing with with satellite radio and all that. But what I've been impressed by is that radio, especially radio companies that are focused on local information like we are with COFU, radio has really held their own. Over the over the past three years, though, I've really enjoyed getting to know uh, the people who are working so hard to make this such a great place to to live, work, and play. One of the, if I had to kind of like pick out a segment that I really enjoy talking to, it's the banking executives. Um, I recall conversations with people like CEO John Harrison, my dear friend with Hancock Whitney. Uh, we worked so closely in the community uh, over many many years, especially after Hurricane Katrina. Um, People's Bank CEO uh, Chavez Sweatman, another good friend, someone I worked in the trenches with in the community for a lot of years. Um, these are two local boys that did really well with their lives. Um, it's great to great to see people doing really really well. But one of the reasons I enjoyed the conversation because they have a kind of a good sense of the economic situation because they they have a, a, literally a barometer of of the economy and the metrics that they look at. Uh, they're all outstanding leaders. Um, I'm pleased this morning, actually, to to have another banking CEO, someone who I really look forward to getting to know better. We had the opportunity to visit a little bit before the show started, and uh, he's he's another he's another local boy that's done well. He was born in in and in, in Georgia, but was here really early in Gulfport. He spent some time in Pascagoula. Um He's the president, chief operating officer, chief executive officer, excuse me, for Community Bank. And in 2015, he was actually awarded the top CEO award by the Mississippi Business Journal. And uh, without any further ado, let me welcome Charles W. Chuck Nicholson, Jr. to Coastview. Good morning, Chuck. How you doing, my friend?
2: I am doing good, Ricky. Thank you so much for having me today. And so uh, I enjoyed visiting with you earlier and uh, look forward to visiting with you a little, little further. Uh, I do want to say, uh, you know, today is a special day. It's uh, December 7th, uh, 81 years ago. You know, Pearl Harbor, Harbor was bombed, and I think I, I first thing I'd like to do is thank all of our veterans and everybody that's serving today for their service in keeping our company our, our country safe. And uh, so, a shout out to all the veterans uh, as we get started.
1: No doubt. So we, uh, so just for the radio audience, we recorded this show. Uh, this is playing on Monday last last uh, Wednesday because this is when uh, Charles, uh, Chuck, and I could get together and uh, so it's a it's an important time you know I spend a lot of time on Coastview talking to the military community the we, we the pre, you know people think about of course Keesley Air Force Base and the c b base, but they don't realize that there's a presence- of course the coast Guard of course, and then you have the National Guard, and then you have military presence over at Ingalls and at Stennis Space Center. This community would be toast if we didn't have such a great uh, military presence here. The role they play in the community is incredible, and a lot of them retire here. You know that, Chuck, from from what you do. But they fall in love with it. they come they travel all over the world. They come here, they fall in love with it, they retire, and they stay here. We're lucky to have them, aren't
2: we? Oh, no question. And I, I tell you, I, you and I were talking earlier, and you know, I started kind of reminiscing a little bit about all the time growing up down in uh, Gulfport and Pascagoula. As I told you, I. Uh, My father was a Methodist minister, and uh, we moved to Gulfport when I was a third grader. And uh, I remember uh, going through the third grade uh, through the uh, seventh grade in Gulfport and moved over to Pascagoula and graduated there. But one of the, you know, you being a past publisher of the Sun-Herald, I'm old enough that going into the sixth grade is when Hurricane Camille hit. And I can still remember sitting out in front of the house, we had no electricity, the Sun-Herald uh, began publishing a paper very quickly and I know they were proud of that and I can remember all the headlights and my mother and daddy uh, up and down the street and my mother and daddy uh, sitting in uh, chairs reading the paper in front of the lights you know during the day we were working to clean up and do everything we had to do and uh, so I just got special memories of that fishing friends the coast was just an absolutely wonderful place to grow up and and i try to get down there every time i can you know as you know i live up in central mississippi now
1: yeah look um it's a great memory that you brought up about um the publishing the newspaper after hurricane camille roland weeks had not been here very long he came here from south carolina he was a young guy in his 30s and um he made a commitment not to miss a day of publication. So they printed the newspaper in, Carol, in uh, South Carolina and then flew the newspaper down from, from South Carolina. And, um, and he taught me, actually, as we developed emergency operations plans. When I became publisher, we had a plan that said we're not going to miss a day of publication either. And after Hurricane Katrina, we actually published the newspaper in uh, Columbus, Georgia. Columbus, Georgia, Macon, Georgia and uh, Bradenton Florida newspapers were part of Knight Ritter, but they actually reported to me I was sort of a regional vice president at the time and we printed the newspaper in Colum- Columbus Georgia and then shipped it down here we did, again we didn't miss a day of publication but it was Rowland's leadership after hurricane camille that sort of established that but uh, it's interesting that, that it really made an impression on you
2: oh no question it's uh it was uh again it was uh one of those things that uh, I think about in our, from our bank standpoint, when we've gone through uh, Katrina, for example, uh, we were uh, one of the first. Uh, in fact, we were the next day, Dobie Shield, who was our CEO then down on the coast. The next day she had the bank open. And one of the things we did, Ricky, was it didn't matter who came in. If they had a check, if they'd write it for up to two hundred dollars, we handed them cash. Because, as you know, when the electricity's out, uh, credit cards and debit cards don't work too well. And, uh, you know, it was really amazing. We, we It didn't matter if it was a, a competitor bank or whoever. We tried to help everyone. And believe it or not, we didn't have one check that was fraudulent from doing all that, which I thought was really amazing. But uh, we got back on our feet and uh, real quick. And, and uh, I know the whole banking industry down there, a lot of challenges trying to get back, get your people back in place. But, uh, you know, the, the one thing I can say about all of the folks on the coast, they're very resilient. Yeah, and uh yeah. it, when when times get bad, everybody gets together, you help each other, and you get things going again and uh, uh we've seen that time and time again,
1: yeah you you said that well, and if you were a listener every day, you would you would hear me say exactly the same thing that in a lot of ways, we have a leg up on a lot of communities across America because we have had to deal with such incredible challenges with you know Katrina of course being the largest natural disaster in American history what we learned about ourselves and our neighbors and our co-workers and our community and our love for community we found out buildings don't make a community that the people do and what we what we were willing to do to help our neighbors was unprecedented and it helped us learn what resiliency really is all about this 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 ability to bounce back and we we know it deep in our heart and our souls hey listen to when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with uh, Chuck Nicholson, who's the president and CEO of uh, Community Bank. We're going to talk about the uh, the 115-year history, which started as a little bitty bank in, in Forest and has become sort of this this really growth-minded bank across multiple states. And it's a great story. We'll come back and we'll tell you that here in just a second. See you after this break.
0: live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
1: Welcome back to Coastview. I'm uh, having a, a terrific conversation with uh, my new friend, Chuck Nicholson, who's the president and CEO of uh, Community Bank. You know, it was interesting in preparing for the the, the, sh- the show today. I was uh, really interested in understanding more about Community Bank, because if I think back in just my my memory, you mentioned Dobie Shields just a few minutes ago. She was a terrific president down here during some formative times for Community Bank. And um, you know, I just had terrific relationships with people. But if I look back on my time of thinking about Community Bank, I I can remember when it was just a little bitty bank, really, a l- little small bank. And then if I think more recently, I see this bank that's really focused on a growth mentality. And I mentioned before we went to break, founded over 115 uh, years ago in East Central Mississippi in a community called Forest. You only had one bank, and now you have. I guess, 54 offices, maybe more now, uh, you know, assets of nearly four, $5 billion. Um, what is driving that growth? Give me the headline on that, and then we're going to kind of break it all down in just a, just a second. But you're, you you guys have really reached a lot of your goals, haven't you?
2: We, we have, uh, Ricky. But I think the best way for me to describe this is let me just go back and tell you the story. Yes. We have a great story. And uh, the bank was started in 1905 in Forest, Mississippi. And had one office all the way up into the early, the, really to the early 90s as far as that bank. Now, there was a, another bank that we had bought up in the, that uh, that was owned up in the Delta by uh, the 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 owners of the bank. And then he'd let her merge those. But uh, really, if you look at our modern history, you, you come to 1968. And there was a, the youngest CEO in the state then was a gentleman named Thomas Cobber. Thomas uh, was from up around Houston, Mississippi had worked over a bank in, in Newton for a number of years, and the bank just was not doing well in Forrest, and they went over and hired Thomas, and Thomas came over there, and I will tell you before going any further, uh, when I describe Thomas, I'll describe him as an entrepreneur. Uh, he, he thinks outside the box. He, uh, we did a lot of first. The first bank holding company that was ever started in the Bank of Mississippi, Thomas started that bank holding company. And uh, to make it real simple for, for our audience, a bank holding company – uh, typically will own the stock of the bank, but there's a thing called double leverage where you can lo- borrow money at the holding company and push it into capital in the bank, and uh, which gives you some advantage from um, from uh, being able to raise money. And, uh, but he, it was a $6 million bank when he took over in 1968. Thomas uh, is still here today. He's our senior chairman, still very active, still knows what's going on every day. I talk to him quite frequently, and he still, when you talk with Thomas, it's not about what's happening next week. Tell me the five-year plan. Tell me how we're structured, and he asked about all the staff we have. But when you look at our company, it was built on people, and it was built on uh, building relationships and doing the things that are that are important. I guess the. I guess, uh, the, it, it, I, guess I, I go a little further and say, if you go, you fast forward a little bit, we get to the early '90s, and the bank's only about a hundred million dollars. And at that point, there's a bank bought down in uh, Laurel, which is about the same size. And then the bank started, uh, Adobe starts the bank down on the Gulf Coast. Uh, we have a bank we started in DeSoto County in, uh, in 1997. And then they, the way I came to the bank, Thomas and Freddie Bagley, who's our chairman now, and he's been here uh, 46 years, uh, the, they, they approached me and Meridian, and we started a bank over there. We had the holding company, which ended up, it owned all these banks, but but they were separately chartered, which means they had their own directors, their own uh, CEO, they got their own examinations. And we, we did that uh, all the way up until 2018. It, we've had as many as 13 charters out there, but no more than six at one time. And uh, the, we consolidated those six charters in January of 2018, and quite frankly, it worked real well for us for a long time. But because of all the regulatory environment and things we were having to do, we were ha- it, it, just from an efficiency standpoint, it made sense to consolidate them all in. And we were we we now operate a one bank holding company under Community Bank of Mississippi. But I'll tell you, it's been really interesting. We have almost uh, 900 people today. We're in four states. We have. Uh, uh, 750 of those staff members work in the state of Mississippi. So we're a major employer, and we just have great people. I, I tell you, the, the thing I enjoy the most has is, is been the recruiting and then watching folks prosper and watch them bloom. And I know we were talking about that a little bit earlier uh, before uh, uh, about uh, your son-in-law who works for us, who's just doing a great job. And we just watched him do the same thing. And we just got a lot of great folks, as I like to say, we have the best and brightest. And I really believe that. Thomas always likes to say that if you would, uh, if, if you sold the bank and you'd leave him with our staff, we'd have it all back five years. And uh, because it's all about building relationships. And uh, it's just been a, uh, you know, between Thomas and Freddie and, and the bank, the staff they've built here over the years, it's really been amazing to be a part of this. And uh, I, I'll talk about some other things in a minute. Uh, but uh, I'll stop right there and see if you have another question.
1: Well, let's let's. What I want to do is take a step back. But incidentally, you mentioned my son-in-law Keith Williams Jr. and and I have had the opportunity. I mentioned to you off the air to watch it sort of through his eyes and the and the focus that you guys put on building relationships is really impressive. And so when I see some of the speeches you give about about what your competitive advantage are or what your goals are. The relationship side of Community Bank has been sort of a major part of what, what you're all about. And I, what we're going to do, let's, let's take a step back for just a second because I want to, we'll come back to the bank here in just a second. But what I want to, you know, you, you talked about living, you know, growing up in coastal Mississippi and your dad being a Methodist uh, preacher. And, uh, and then you went on to University of, of Mississippi. Did you know you wanted to
2: be in banking at the time? <laughs> That's a funny story. Knows the answer. I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I graduated. I ended up with a general business degree. And uh, when I got out, I had uh, opportunities to work, insurance, sales, and then uh, I had a chance to get, to, to get in banking. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And uh, coincidentally, my mom and dad met in a bank. So I guess it was meant to be. My my mother was working at the Old Deposit Guarantee, and my father was in, in, in uh, college at Millsaps. And dad worked uh, a, a job uh, to help him pay for school, and that's how he met my mom. So I, I guess banking worked out. If it wasn't for banking, I wouldn't be here. But I asked my dad. I said, you know, I got these offers. What do you think? And he gave me some real good sage advice. He said, Well, son, if you really don't know what you want to do, banking's probably the best thing that you could do. And by the way, it was the least. Uh, it, it had the least salary of all three. But he said you still ought to do it because if you go into banking. You're going to get a chance to see all kinds of businesses, and uh, you'll be able to see there may be something there that you want to see, or somebody might even hire you. And uh, believe it or not, I had a number of offers uh, as a young guy at, at the bank from from companies that I was banking. And uh, But after a while, I realized, you know, I really like doing this because it's a chance to help people. And it's, it's not only, you know, I, I mentioned watching our staff develop. It's also fun when you you take a small business, especially that's a startup, and all bankers my age have, have we've been around long, we're old guys now, so we've all had some experience. But it's amazing some of the businesses now that I look out and see how successful they are. And I mean large businesses that uh, I remember sitting down and talking with with the person about changing jobs to start the business. And in some cases, I can even remember making them uh, a loan and even putting cash in the cash register to get them going. And it's, it's, it's just a lot of uh, it's just fun when you when you're able to help folks and, and, and get them along. But look, I get as much, uh, Ricky, I'd get as much uh, joy uh, out of helping a, a small uh, uh, consumer who maybe has had some credit issues in the past. And you're able to counsel them and show them how they can buy a house and watching that joy when they when they sign on the dotted line and they're a homeowner, those are the kind of things to me that it turns into more of. A, as I like to say, uh, we like to say that 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 it's important to have servant leadership all across your company, and being able to help people to me is it's just fulfilling.
1: Well, you you mentioned the word, you mentioned the phrase servant leadership, and it's so interesting that you said that just now because I was literally about to say that uh, you were born you were born in Georgia because your dad was attending Emory University, but your dad as a Methodist preacher, had what I would refer to as sort of a servant soul. And w- I was curious about how his work affected you because if I look at I look at what you first of all, you talk about your role in banking and sort of this same sort of phraseology. And I think about the work that you've done working for the University of Mississippi. Uh, the work that you've done with the MEC, the work that you've done in other other charitable uh, giving, the work that you've done in your industry. Um, there's a. I always find it interesting that every time you give me a successful CEO, there's going to be inside that person someone who has given tremendous amounts of energy into the community because they know by, by having doing that, by by having done that that they can address the needs of the community better. But did that come from your father really early in your life?
2: Yeah, a lot of it because, you know, I tackled on him and and, and and I saw how he helped folks that were really destitute. You know, ministers get these calls to somebody on the side of the road, needing gas, and all that kind of stuff. You know, I'll tell you a story. I went with my dad. Hey, my let's father.
1: do this. Hold, hold your story because we're coming to the end of this segment. Okay. We'll pick up the story right here on the other side because I think it's it's a real big part of who you are. And, uh, and, it, and it's just so interesting to see it all fit together when we, uh, when we have a conversation. But this is uh, Chuck Nicholson. He's the president and CEO of Community Bank. When we come back on the other side, we'll continue the conversation. See you after this.
0: Free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back
1: to Kosu. I'm having um, a really good conversation with my new friend Chuck Nicholson, who is the president and CEO of Community Bank. He grew up in Coastal Mississippi. His father was a was a um, Methodist preacher, and. Um, and he referred he referred to some of his work in banking as sort of a servant, someone who's giving back to the community. But if you look at his past, what you see is incredible involvement in his community, in his university, in his community – I said that anytime you find me a successful CEO, I'll be able to sort of dive into them and find where they're incredibly connected to the community. And I was talking to him about where did that come from, and he was about to tell a story that best demonstrated that. So I'm going to turn it back to Chuck and let him pick it up from there.
2: Yeah, Ricky, my my dad, uh, as I got older, we would get these phone calls at night sometime and and somebody would say they're destitute, they, you know, and you'd go and they'd have a lot of times they'd have a car full of kids and they would say they didn't have any money and, and so forth. And I will admit, uh, I had gotten to that point. I was actually in college when this happened. And dad would not go by himself out to meet people. We, he would get somebody to go with him. And I went with him this time and I, I listened to the story and I didn't believe any of it. And I told dad on the way home, I said, dad, I said, I, said, I just don't believe these, that story. And I don't believe most of them that I've heard in the past. And uh, we talked a little bit, and he said, son, he says, you need to understand something. He said, you're probably right when we go help him sometime. Now, he would put gas in the car. He wouldn't give them money, or he would buy them something to eat. But he said, the reason I take care of everybody because I don't want to miss the one that needed it. And that always resonated with me, you know, that uh, about how important that was that, yeah, you, you, you may get beat sometime, but to make sure you take care of that one – I just it, it. That's probably the best sermon I ever heard. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so I had a I had a lot of uh, I got a lot from that. But look, I've also with people I've worked with uh, bankers in general are always real involved in their community. You know, we have you, you got to remember this. Our bank staff and, and, and the, what we earn and have benefits. We can only do as well as our bank. Our bank can only do as well as our community. And our communities, you know, it goes all the way up to the state. We, we have to all work together in order to make our communities better. And typically, your your bankers are the backbone of, of your communities being involved in all the things and that you're talking about, uh, not only giving their time, but their money to make your communities better. And, you know, that's in our DNA here at Community Bank, Thomas and Freddie and the, the executive staff here, all the way down into, to, to all of our regions. They are very, very involved in the community, and uh, I'm proud of that.
1: Yeah, I see. I see it. You know, I see it. It's. I mean, it's. it's real. It's, some people talk about it, and they don't really mean it. Of course, they're not on Coast If they don't really mean it, because you know, if <laughs> you wouldn't be able to hold your own in a long conversation like this if you didn't have the meat on those bones. And you guys have really worked hard to do it. And I, I've seen it over many, 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 many years. I know uh, you know two or three members of your board, and I know where they came from, and I know how committed they are. Um, so that's really great. You know, I, I couldn't help but think about, you know the lessons we get from our fathers. I'm just going to tell you just a real quick one, something that came to mind as you were telling that story about the person in need. You want to make sure you hit that person in need. I felt that way as a publisher of the newspaper, but where did it come from for, for me? I remember once my dad was building a house. He was in the real estate and uh, home building business. Uh, he died, unfortunately, when he was 44 years old. But he, he, was, he complained once about a, a delivery guy who was working for a building company, and um, the guy did something wrong, and the guy got fired. He literally got fired from his job when my dad complained. And about a few days later, I went to, to visit dad on a on the site of a home building, and the guy that got fired from that building supply company was actually on site with my dad. And I said, was that the guy that you complained about? He said, yeah, I hired him. I said, you hired him? Yeah, yeah. I, I learned a, a, a very powerful lesson that what he did was not that big a deal but he got fired for it because I complained and I hired him i I felt that was the right thing to do you know I never forgot that you know these these those lessons like that and I was a relatively young guy it, it just stayed with me for, for it's still with me today um, but to have a dad who is a pastor with a servant's heart it really is is profound isn't it
2: it is now I have to tell you a funny story another funny story my my, my grandfather was a Methodist minister, my dad was a Methodist minister, and I had two uncles that, that were Methodist ministers. They, they've all gone on now, but it's, uh, I used to get people to ask me a lot, they still do sometimes, why didn't you become a minister? And, of course, the simple answer there, I was not called, but my mother hates me to tell this, but, and, uh, and, 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 and she's something, but I always tell everybody, well, you know, to be called to be a Methodist minister, you have to be New Testament, and me and Mama are Old Testament. We're bikers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a great way to say it. But, I man, salt of the earth kind of stuff, that's for sure. And, um, boy, people have just intimate relationships with their banking, uh, with their banks. And, you know, it's interesting. You go back in time. I, I, I Of course, I've followed this carefully as a former CEO. I, I know about the incredible regulatory requirements that were put on you after 2008. And, you know, we don't have time to get into that. But you think about increasing competition, the cultural shift that's taking place, regulatory compliance Uh, The changing business model, rising expectations, the the issues around customer retention and employee retention, Um, technology in general, man. Just think about technology, not just in terms of how you use technology in the bank, but but cybersecurity threats that you have to deal with. Man, as a banker today, to stay focused on the things that matter, the relationships, giving back to the community and all that – Boy, there's a lot of noise though you have to contend with to stay focused on your goals, don't, isn't there?
2: Oh, no question. And, and I tell you that the, the technology piece of that is very expensive. But you have to continue to invest. And that's one of the things we've done. We're, as you said, we're, you know, approaching five billion in assets. And uh, you know, you you you've got those mega banks out there like JP Morgan and some of them that have all their their in-house programmers and are writing code and and do a lot of that. And the You know, you get past probably the, the top uh, 50 banks and then, you know, we're all having to work together then with with uh, vendors and so forth to make sure that we can can uh, get those same type resources to make sure that, that we're doing what we need to provide the services to our customers. You know, one thing I'm going to say, though, is pr- really interesting is that uh, even though we have all the technology, our philosophy in our bank is – if you call Community Bank, somebody's going to answer that phone. We do not use uh, 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 auto answer. We want somebody to answer the phone. If we transfer you, they're going to stay on there. Do you get? We want to make sure that somebody is t- taking care of you. And we still believe that resonates. You can have all the technology you want. You can have uh, uh, whatever you want to do that that's remote outside the bank. But if a customer has a problem, they want to talk to somebody that can turn the crank. And that's really, really important, and it's one of the, 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 the cornerstones of, of what we do. The other thing I would tell you is in banking that, that has transitioned a lot, uh, Ricky, when I started in banking in 1981, and I tried to look it up uh, this morning, I got to thinking about it, and I couldn't get the exact number, but it was over 14,000 commercial banks. Today, there are 4,231 commercial banks. You've seen a tremendous amount of consolidation. And what's happened during that time, most of those banks now are public. We're one of the largest privately held companies in, in, in uh, banks in the, uh, in, the, in the country, especially in the southeast. And uh, w- w- we've always tried to make sure that we're relationship bankers. If you come to me, you know, you're a publisher of the Sun-Herald and you've, your resume, I would hate to even print it all the things you've been able to do. But you, you would have had an opportunity from a corporate standpoint all along the way to be talking in some big numbers. In our bank I could bank you with a car loan or I could bank you on one of those big numbers we don't silo uh, our, our our lending to where John over here can only do uh, a consumer loan and Susie over here then can do loans that have revenues under 10 million or five million whatever it is so that you have to keep going from banker to banker that's not our that's not our style and I'm not I'm not gonna say anything about any of the, uh, the the cultures or the structure or how uh, other banks do it, they do it their way. But our banking works real, really, really well for us. And when when we uh, train our our uh, b- bankers that come up and become division presidents, but really starting at branch managers to division presidents and up into to the uh, regions, our folks are well-rounded bankers. They know more than just about one little facet of of, of banking. And we just think it works well for us. It's our niche, and it's what we do well. And that culture hadn't changed since Thomas took over in 1968. We've just gotten bigger. And as Thomas always likes to say, when you start, you know, we were asking earlier about how we grew the bank and what we've done. There really wasn't as big a grand plan, as he'll say at the start, as much as the the main thing was, we want to be good. And if you'll be good, and if you'll get up every day, and you'll, uh, we have a thing called the 20-mile march. If you go 20 miles every day, do the best you can, the next morning get up and do 20 more miles, all the success will come. You just got to do the right thing, and you got to treat people fair.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting the way the, the approach that you took, and we'll pick this up on the other side as we're coming to the end of this segment. But you, you, when, you when you have uh, sort of uh, the, a, a customer's banking connection able to do a wide range of things, it, it enables them to deal with the small loans and it enables them to deal with business loans that might involve critical capital assessment and, you know, looking at P&Ls and looking at long-term plans. and. Over time the cumulative nature of the building that knowledge makes them a better banker at the end of the day. And 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 it's obviously worked really well for you guys. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Chuck Nicholson, the CEO and president of Community Bank. I wanna I wanna get into sort of his view on the economy. You know, where are we today? What's he view the coast? How does he view Mississippi and what's his thoughts on the national situation? We'll see you after this break.
0: This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
1: Welcome back to Coastview. We're having—I uh, I love this show because I get a chance to meet and get to know better people like Chuck Nicholson, the president and CEO of Community Bank. He went to University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, graduated in 1981. And a really common trait among the banking executives I talked to is the Graduate School of Banking from LSU. He went there as well, of course, and um, he's got holds some also some additional designations for American Institute of Banking. Hey, Chuck, your dad went to Millsaps, and you went to Ole Miss. Us. Tell me about that.
2: Well, Dad really wanted me to go to Millsaps, and he didn't push me too hard. Now, he was always an Ole Miss football fan, so we, we, and we had some family that went up there. But anyway, Dad always kind of wanted me to go to Millsaps, and he pushed a little bit. And So I get up to Ole Miss, and I and I'd meet my wife. and uh, I guess I was a junior in college, and I brought my, my future wife home to meet my mom and dad. And this is a true story. We walked in the kitchen, and I can still remember – Introduce Lisa to my mom and dad, and my dad walks around the corner and motions me around the corner, and I got in there and he looked me in the eyes. He says, "Boy, you didn't got more out of Ole Miss than I ever thought you would."
1: <laughs> Isn't that great? Well, I guess in a in a in a in his way, he was kind of giving you the the best compliment he's going to give you about not taking his advice going to to, to go to Millsats. but. That's fun. Um, hey, listen, uh, we don't have much time left. I just want to if you, as you sort of assess the situation, first of all, Mississippi during the pandemic has really held its own well, I mean, for a lot of reasons. The coast especially has been very diverse in terms of its economic engine to the rest of the state. But what's your read on the coast, Mississippi, and the things in general?
2: Well, you know, in general, it's a mixed bag. We've been, uh, you know, we've Uh, In in economics 101, you learn that if you dump a lot of money in the in the economy, you're going to have inflation. So I don't think it's any surprise we've had inflation. But you got some big signals right now. You know, I I would have told you if you'd asked me. In fact, I did tell people uh, back last year. I thought we would would have seen a, a little more of a downturn by now. I read some articles yesterday. About half the economists on Wall Street think we're going to have a hard landing because the Fed always overshoots and they probably do again. But then there's another half that think the numbers are going to work back out by the second quarter. It's going to be a soft landing. We do see inflation has has come down just a little bit. And, you know, inflation, the, the, the pandemic certainly had an impact on it. and all the money that went in, then the supply chain issues that happened have had an impact. And then, of course, the war in Russia has had an impact on energy costs. So some of those things, uh, you know, are behind us and we will hope they get a little better. I guess the thing I would tell you, Ricky, when I look at it, uh, other than the housing industry that we're seeing because of the increase in interest rates has really slowed down, and you know one point I'll make on that: if you'll do the math, and everybody on here can do it, if you if you will do a three percent interest rate on a thirty-year loan and look at the payment on a half or five hundred thousand dollars house, then do it at three percent, and then look today at seven percent and do it on a three hundred thousand dollars house, the payment's almost the same. So that tells you how the market's getting squeezed. So I think that that with the rates up and and the Fed, you know, has already gone up three three point seven five percent forward seventy five basis point hits. I think you're fixing to see the music stop or slow down enough that the 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 labor market's going to slow down enough that it's going to help get in you know pull this inflation down. The interesting thing is when you look at the yield curve, the yield curve out there, the highest point on the yield curve is a twelve months uh, Treasury. I looked at it this morning. It was 469. And then you go to uh, 12 months. It's four, uh, six months. I'm sorry. It was 469. 12 months is 466. But when you get to 10 years, 345. So the market out there, they're telling you they think that they're going to get that the Fed's going to get inflation under control and it's coming back down. Mortgage rates actually have dropped some. They were 7 percent here a couple of weeks ago. I looked yesterday at, at our mortgage rates, and they dropped about a, about a half percent down to six and a half on the 30-year, and they're below six now uh, on the 15-year. So I don't think this is going to be an economic downturn like we saw in 08. It's not fueled by the real estate. Uh, all, uh, all the banks have much stronger balance sheets. Our balance sheet is strong. If you look at the uh, typical lending, uh, look at the the credit quality, our credit quality right now is as good as it's ever been. Our loan loss uh, uh, reserves are all strong. I think most banks are. So I think the banks are in a better position to work uh, through this. Uh, But, you know, you're always trying to make sure you're prepared to do it. Even during the Great Recession, we never stopped making loans. And I will tell you, we're still making loans uh, at a pretty good clip right now. Last year, I think most banks, we did that uh, loan growth, and I think that's attributed to the strong economic uh, uh, growth we've had over the last ten years. You know, the Gulf Coast has done, out, I mean, been outstanding. Look at all the growth. Look, look along Highway ninety; and everything's been built back from Katrina. It's been pretty amazing. And uh, you look across our state. Uh, I met with uh, some of our state legislators the other day, and I mean, our rainy day fund's full. Our numbers have been outstanding. And then part of the reason for that is the Mississippi banks in general, when the PPP was out there, we overperformed the nation in the way we were able to get out there and touch our customers. You know, just our bank alone did $645 million in PPP loans. And if you looked at our asset size to the number of loans we did, we way outkicked the coverage. And it was a great opportunity to take care of everybody.
1: Well, I see that clearly, and of course, the pandemic created a lot of opportunities, and it created a lot of challenges, so many variables, and then the Ukraine war on top of it, and this notion of that was a transitory inflation that turned out not to be the case. It's a very complicated world, but I think we have done a really good job of working our way through it as a a state, and you as as bankers, and I think we have a lot to look forward to. may take longer. Maybe it won't take as long. Let's hope. Let's hope it doesn't take as long. But listen, I wish we had more time together, Chuck. It's been, a, it's been a real pleasure to get to know you better, my friend.
2: It was an honor to be with you today.
1: It has been terrific. This has been Chuck Nicholson, the president and CEO of uh, Community Bank. We could have gone on another hour on the economy stuff, and maybe we'll come back together and to talk more about that. We'll see you later. Have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow.
0: Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.